You're listening to the Health by Design podcast, and I'm your host, Roar Alexander, wellness architect and functional lifestylist. I spent nearly six years of my life on a journey through the ancient East to bring you the cutting-edge combination of modern Western health sciences blended with the time-proven ancient traditions, principles, and practices that have flourished through thousands of years across countless cultures, peoples, and nations. Join me and my many special guests from all corners of the globe as we aim to help you live stronger, longer, and better. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Health by Design podcast. I'm your host, Roar Alexander, and I have a great show coming up for you today with Greg Yetter from Bedtime Bulb. Uh, If you follow my Facebook or my Instagram, or even if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I have talked about the importance of making sure that you set up your home so your sleep follows your circadian rhythms and you optimize your circadian rhythms through your sleep. Um, as well as what you do during the day. And light is a huge part of that. Uh, Light is, in fact, pretty much the master circadian signal. So while every organ in your body does have a circadian signal, light is really the one that is going to uh, affect it the most. So making sure that you have the proper lights in place for the proper time of day is so important. So I'm not going to harp a lot about that. Greg does an excellent job of filling us in on all the science behind blue light. I'm going to let him do it because he does it so much better. However, the first thing I want to talk about, I'm only going to talk about one thing today because this is something very special. Um, And that is on January the 3rd of 2019, I am going to be doing a talk at my good friend Ramona Braganza's Global Fitness Day 2019 special event in downtown Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Um, Back in, I believe it was 2014, Ramona started her Global Fitness Day, which she holds every single year on January the 3rd. The theory pretty much being, you know, January the 1st, let's face it, most people are hungover. January the 2nd, they're starting to get themselves put together. So January the 3rd is where people really start to, that's, I guess you could call that the first day people decide to actually start moving on those resolutions. But, and I've talked about this before, we all know that it's something like between 60 and 70% of resolutions completely fall apart by the end of February, sometime in March. Different studies talk about different times, but the point is, within 90 days of your resolution, most of you have quit. So Ramona set this event up and it is 100% free. And I'll be talking about that a little bit more in a minute. So she set this up to help you really kick off your resolutions, right? And this year's theme is timeless aging. Ramona is over 50 years old and she is still going strong in the gym and she's going to be uh, basically sharing tips and advice on you whether you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, even above to help you make sure that you can train for life because let's be honest, most people uh, either, well A, they don't train or people that do train still tend to train like they're training in their 20s without a lot of rhyme or reason, just kind of doing the same thing. And there's a lot of injuries, which is why a significant amount of people, especially after 40, just give up on fitness. But not Ramona, not myself either. I'll be 43 this February. And Ramona, like I said, she is in her mid-50s and still going strong. 
Um, like I said before, Ramona is doing this. She does this absolutely for free. Now, this is impressive. You don't know who Ramona is. You really should go back and listen to the podcast where I interviewed her. Ramona is one of the world's top Hollywood trainers. She has trained Halle Berry, Jessica Alba, Kate Beckinsale, Scarlett Johansson, Ryan Reynolds, worked with Hugh Jackman, Zac Efron. I mean, you pretty much name any major actor. Zoe Saldana, you know, from Guardians of the Galaxy. She has worked with all of them, the 50 Shades of Grey cast. So Ramona, she gets paid a lot of money to do these, uh, to do, you know, events and workshops around the world. She gets paid in the thousands of dollars for guest appearances and her retreats. She holds retreats in India. She holds retreats in Egypt. She holds retreats in the United States. Um, and she does this absolutely for free. So let's be honest, you would be insane not to make it to this event, which is being held at a um, nutrition store called Genesis Nutrition on Davie. And now I've worked and done some work with Genesis Nutrition myself. I helped them by actually by hosting their Adventures on Health YouTube channel. Um, so we've decided to host it in their location because they've put a lot of work into uh, becoming, they really want to be more of a wellness hub for Vancouver. They just don't want to be your typical nutrition store. That is run by a very passionate family who is passionate about health and fitness and wellness and making sure that you know they give you guys the best advice and the best education possible. So they've turned the entire back half of their one downtown location into a uh, open concept area for workshops and seminars, uh, for podcasts. So Ramona and I decided that that would be a really great place to hold it to help them uh, as one of the only or the only nutrition store and company in the world that has actually gone and trying to educate people and trying to help them make great decisions. Um, we also going to have another speaker, Dr. Lois Nahirni from DNA Power. She's going to be coming in as well and talking about the technology of DNA uh, and giving you insight into your optimal health and fitness. They do DNA testing for not only fitness, but also nutrition, uh, cognitive, uh, inflammation, methylation, hormone panels. So they do a lot of great stuff down there at DNA Power. So she's going to be joining us as well. So you can register through that event through, uh, through Eventbrite, which is, of course, the number one place for uh, you know, uh, online reservations for courses and workshops. And also, if you happen to be in the Vancouver area, you can always check out any of the Genesis Nutrition locations. So again, January the 3rd, that is a Thursday, I believe, and it is from 6 till 8 p.m. Going to have a lot of fun. Um, like I said, I'm talking about East meets West for optimization. Ramona's talking about, um, you know, ageless training pretty much. Uh, and then we have some other speakers coming in. I believe we have somebody coming in that's going to help us talk about breath to beat stress. So definitely make sure you're getting to that event. And of course, there's going to be a silent auction as well to help Ramona's 321 Empower charity. But getting back to Greg, this is a... Uh, one of my podcasts that interviews that I was looking really forward to, um, like I was saying before, the importance of blue light. I wear my yellow glasses almost every single night, pretty much after 8 p.m. But with Greg's light bulb, his bedtime light bulb, you don't have to do that. If you don't want to wear the glasses, maybe you don't like the glasses, you don't want to do that. Well, his bulb has really allowed you now to take control of your lighting and your circadian rhythms in the palm of your own hand to help you design your health. So with no further ado, let's get on to my interview with Greg Yetter of Bedtime Bulb. 
So I'm here, like I said, with Bedtime Bulb founder, Greg Yetter. How are you doing today, Greg? Roar, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Oh, no problem. Now, you're down in, is it Pennsylvania? Is that where you are? Yeah, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. A little Philadelphia freedom down there. <laughs> yeah, I did that song the other day, actually. Oh, very nice. And how's the, I think that song's going to be on a lot with the uh, new Elton John movie that's Rocket Man's coming out. Was it next month or next year, I think? I didn't know about this. Yeah, well, they're they're kind of doing all those. Uh, you know, there's the Queen one right now, which is why Queen is all over the radio. Um, and then next year is going to be Elton John or this year. I'm not quite sure. It's in the next six months anyways. And I was saying the other day, I've said, it's only I'd give it one to two years tops before they have a David Bowie movie out. I mean, it would be crazy not to do David Bowie. That would be great. I would, I would love to see that. I think so. So what's the weather like? I've never been to Philadelphia. What's it like down there? Do you guys have like this winter? Do you have the typical winter, summer like in Canada or... Yeah, we have the typical uh, a little bit too hot summer and a little bit too cold winter. So uh, it's pretty much the same as New York weather. Okay, which uh, is the same so, as Toronto, Ontario weather. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so um, I don't have too much experience with those cities. But yeah, it's it's fine today. It's like 7C outside, uh, not too warm, but not terrible. Yeah, no, Vancouver, Vancouver is a much more because we're on the uh, West Coast. We tend to be, uh, we, our temperature is kind of like between 5 and 20 degrees all year round. So uh, it's, but it's very, very gray here. Seasonal affective disorder goes into full swing here on the West Coast, us in Seattle every year. So Yeah, absolutely. That's a great topic. Yeah, which is, well, it's very interesting. That's why, you know, especially on the West Coast, uh, when I was in Asia, you know, I wasn't really overly concerned with my lighting because, you know, what I did is when the sun went down, because the sun goes down in Asia, you know, especially where I was, Thailand, you know, it comes up at 6 a.m., sets down at 6 p.m. So you can control your circadian rhythms. We would turn off the light. You know, when it got dark. Um, but here in Canada, you know, it's so different because in the summertime, you would have the sun out literally until 10 p.m., you know. Uh, and then in the wintertime, it's down by 4. So that's why I really got really hard into the lighting and, uh, you know, the importance of light, especially, you know, sort of like clients and stuff like that, I would go and I would literally like design their bedrooms and stuff to help them sleep, whether it's hanging out blackout blinds, doing tutorials on light bulbs and stuff like that, because lighting yeah. is so important. Absolutely. Like right. I, well, you're not, you're asking the right person. So. Exactly, exactly. Like even right now doing the podcast with you right beside me, I have one of those seasonal affective disorder, you know, tablet lights. It has like 10,000 lux of just pure white uh, that's right. sitting about three feet from me. And another thing that I had to buy um, maybe about a month ago, I think I uh, had to get one of those, you know, the, the wake up lights. Have you seen those? Yeah, like Philips makes those. Yeah, right? Philips Wake Up Light, and there's a few no-name brands. And basically all that does, for people that maybe not don't know what that is, is it just kind of you set it. If you want to wake up at 5.30 in the morning, you would set it for 5 a.m., and it slowly just gets brighter and brighter and brighter. So what happens is around 5.20, 5.25, your eyes kind of register its daylight. And honestly, it has made a night and day difference for me in the last month when it comes to uh, waking up. That's great. Yeah, I actually have never used uh, one of those, believe it or not, but... Uh... I definitely believe in the power of that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, it's a similar, you know, you have to have it only about three to four feet away from you again. Mine's actually a little bit further away than it should be, um, just because, the, unfortunately, the power wire is kind of a, a, on the other side of the room, but I am going to get an extension wire and move it. But that is wake-up lighting, and this is the daytime lighting, but what I want to talk about, and the reason, you know, that 
the most important lighting almost well, I don't can't really I would say they're both important wake up lighting and the bedtime lighting are equal importance but this time of year um, you know people I don't think people understand the nighttime evening lighting nearly as well as they should would you agree with that oh absolutely so tell me then you you have a company you're the founder of bedtime bulb uh, which by the way is a great name Thanks. It was the uh, domain availability. So oh, I, is it? Well, it's, a, one right it's a great one. And your logo. I was showing some people the logo the other day. I said the best logos are the ones that are simple and get the idea across. And yours is excellent because it's, it's a shape of a light bulb. But the bottom, the, the metal part on the bulb is the bed. And the rest is like a question mark above it. Just looks, it's like a bulb. It's genius. Yep. Thank you. I appreciate that. Did you design that? No. No, <laughs> okay. Paid. That. <laughs> well, whoever but, you paid, they, they, you got your money's worth on that one. Yeah, uh, no, he's awesome. Uh, definitely. Uh, I can put a link to my designer. Uh, yeah, yeah do that. Let's throw him down there because it was just a great one. He's got a, he's got, you know, I gave him a testimonial right there. I think it was a great one. Um, awesome. Thank you. So let's talk about then. Can you tell me, how did you get in? Let's talk a little bit about your background. Like, who are you? Why did you get into the light? What made you want to bring out bedtime ball? This is your time to just let her go. Okay, so the uh, let, let's do the five-minute uh, background, if that's okay. Yep. Awesome. So my first word was light. Um, so, like, the word light was the first word that came out of my mouth, according Yours to my the Bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. So, um, and growing up, I really had a fascination with light. Like, when I would, um, when my parents would hold me, I would, like, apparently want to reach for light switches and uh like when i would go to the library instead of listening to the person reading i would be like staring up at the ceiling apparently mm -hmm. so um and then the other thing that i did when i was growing up starting at about age six was i started like taking over the uh lighting that my parents put in their front yard uh for the holidays in december okay. um and i kind of like you know, like my dad definitely helped me because I was like six. Um, but uh, we ended up expanding this Christmas light show every year to the extent that we won our city's contest um, so many times that we got disqualified. So uh, like we had so, so many lights um, and, and actually uh, we were one of the early um, ones to do the animated to uh, like the the lights that, that dance in, in synchronization with music. Um, so we were doing that really early. And uh, I feel like I had a little bit different approach than everybody else. My so your was house was like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation House? Yeah, I, like I have to say that like a lot of people had more lights than we did, but mine was like a bit more artistic gotcha. is what I think of it. Okay. Um, so um, yeah, so then, um, so I did that, you know, for many, many years. And then in high school, um, I, w I really wanted to work for Disney. Um, they have a, a branch of Disney called um, Walt Disney Imagineering, uh, or the people are called Imagineers. Okay. And, and these people, um, one of the things that they're most known for is designing the theme parks at uh, all the Disney theme parks. So they like do all the rides, all the shows, the theming. And if you've ever been to a Disney park, you know that it's like, they really go all out with the theming of everything. Mm -hmm. um, so like, I really wanted to work on shows. And it's funny, I actually have a friend who also did Christmas lights. 
um, Nick Diaz, who works for Walt Disney Imagineering now. So that's pretty crazy. Um, but um, so I thought I wanted to do that. And uh, I was very interested in lighting uh, controls, like the things that um, like dimmer switches and things like this. I know this is pretty nerdy, but yeah. uh, <laughs> okay. it fascinated me at the time. So uh, I went to college and studied electrical engineering. And in my first year at uh, Drexel University here in Philadelphia, um, I started working with this lab that was looking at the links between light and health. Uh, and specifically, they were looking at the effect of blue light on the circadian rhythm. And uh, we were trying to um, run a study in a uh, dementia facility. So people with de suffering from dementia and Alzheimer's disease. Okay. Um, because one of the problems with dementia, as you probably know, is that uh, they have like a really inconsistent circadian rhythm. And it's not necessarily the cause of dementia, um, but it is one of the large, uh, like one of the major side effects. Mm -hmm. And um, we wanted to see if we could use lighting to help those people. Okay, that and, makes sense. Um, so basically, uh, this was 2011, so I was like a freshman, sophomore in college, and uh, we were trying to build lighting that would change color throughout the day. So it would be like a very intense bright white uh, during the day, so kind of like your um, your sad therapy lamp that you have on right now. Mm -hmm. And um, at nighttime, it would shift to like basically red light which uh, doesn't have any blue, um, which I think is a little extreme, but it definitely does get rid of all the blue. Yeah, it gets um, the job done. For sure. Uh, but a lot of people think it's weird. Um, but uh, so we, we were basically able to design the fixture, the lighting fixture at that time. It was, uh, it was very expensive. It was over $1,000 for like a two-by-two-foot uh, lighting fixture. Mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, at the time, there were no lighting control systems that would like make it easy to automate the color changing of lights in a building. So, like they made so there were two types of lighting control systems at the time. The first was like normal lighting controls for a building, which are like dimmer switches, basically, yep. where you can uh, control on/off dimming, um, and sometimes they're networked. Um, and then, and then they have um, arch attainment uh, lighting controls, which are like for like uh, Disney shows and uh, facades of buildings where they change colors like red and green and, and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, we were trying to like merge those two things. And that was, um, that was really hard to do. So I ended up actually starting the first circadian lighting controls company. So... Um, like again, this is a little bit technical, but um, if you know the app uh, for the for your computer, Flux or Night Shift, yep, uh, that turns your that gets rid of the blue and makes your screen more red. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, so like uh, you know that like your screen is like its normal white color during the day, and then it goes to like an orange or a red kind of color at night. Mm -hmm. And um, we were basically doing this lighting controls company like enabled that for the lighting in your environment. So you had, it was like flux for your environment. The lights would change automatically. So it was lux for your like home or office lighting? Exactly, okay. exactly. Um, so uh, it turns out we were a little early yeah. um, and a little, a little expensive, uh, <laughs> but there's definitely a place for that. 
uh, and that might be coming down the road. Um, but uh, that and a few other things taught me that, like, you know, there's really a need for healthy lighting, but but by just making a really expensive, like, complicated product, you know, you're not going to reach that many people with it. No, for uh, sure. So I really thought uh, it's like how can we go back to basics and give some give people something that is simple um, that's really easy to use and it's affordable. So um, you know you don't need to hire anyone to install it. Uh, you know it's you can buy it uh, on Amazon or at the store. You don't whatever. need an app or a special thing on the wall. App no not you know it's very reliable like all that kind of stuff and so that um so bedtime bulb was born um and i've been working on this company for a little over a year actually now um and we we launched on amazon two months ago and just to give the uh to wrap this up this long-winded uh background um so bedtime bulb is a low blue light bulb for healthy sleep uh the number one thing it does is it gets rid of most of the blue light that would interrupt your sleep. Mm -hmm. And the second thing it does is it gets rid of flicker. Um, and flicker is an invisible flashing that uh, can cause headaches and eye strain. So those are the two really things we focus on with this product. And uh, yeah, we've sold a lot so far. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with the, uh, the results that we've Perfect. had. Well, we, we keep talking about blue, so why don't we let people know, because quite a lot of times, you know, people don't understand light, they just see it as, you know, like, like it's just white, they don't get it, but it's made up of different colors, so I'll often say, well, have you seen, like, the covered dark side of the moon, you know, it's a super well-known album, and, you know, the lights hit the prism, and then it shoots down the rainbow, so can you explain, um, basically, like, you know, we talk a lot, you've mentioned blue, you've mentioned red, maybe explain to people, uh, you know what this color spectrum is and why these why these different colors are important Yeah, so this is a this is an awesome uh, Back to basics question um, mm -hmm. that we really asked ourselves when, like I asked myself this question when um, Designing this product So think about white light and like you said the Pink Floyd album or any other picture of a prism uh, where you have white light coming in and then you on the other side of the prism, you see all the colors. So red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so it turns out that we actually have photoreceptors in our eyes. There are specific sensors in our eyes that are not used for vision. So you have the rods and cones, which are used for vision, but you have another set of photoreceptors called the Intrinsically photosensitive retinal ganglion cells. Um, great name. Um, Is there an abbreviation for that? Like IGRP yeah, or something? Yeah, IPRGCs. <laughs> okay. Uh, but it's still like, it's not rods and cones. I think the scientists need to work on that. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so what these, what these sensors do is they do not, they're not used for vision, but they are in our eyes and they sense blue and green light. And we don't know exactly why they are there, but the best story that we can kind of uh, attach to the IPRGCs is that it is a mechanism for sensing whether it's daytime or it's nighttime. And looking at the way the IPRGCs work, the story makes a lot of sense. So we have 
So there's, there's one aspect, which is the sensing of blue and green light. And then there's the circadian rhythm, which you are doing an awesome job uh, spreading the word about. Um, so with the circadian rhythm, this is the body clock that tells us when to be awake and when to be asleep. But it does a lot more than just that. It, it literally controls like every, every type of timing that goes on in our body from uh, very short rhythms to even uh, year-long rhythms. And it turns out that these IPRGC sensors in the eyes are wired to the circadian rhythm. And so they're used as an input to the circadian rhythm. And, when, and then going back to blue light, the reason why uh, we think that this is, this is actually having an influence on the circadian rhythm is because the IPRGCs are triggered during daylight, um, you know, like when the sun is out and it's bright and you've got all the colors. But uh, when it's nighttime, you know, historically we used to have like moonlight and fire and the IPRGCs are basically not triggered by these very dim, uh, very low blue sources of light. Mm -hmm. So, so, to, to wrap that up, it's like, you know, daylight has a lot of blue and green light. And I can actually show some spectra later um, to, to show you like what the signature, the lighting signature of daylight looks like. Um, but if you look at fire, you know, it has very little blue and green. Um, and the moonlight, moon actually does have a lot of blue, but it's so dim that it like doesn't make too much of a difference uh, yeah. to this. Rhythm. Um, it's interesting though because in uh, in classical feng shui um they talk about not sleeping in the moonlight uh because because of that thing because under the bright full moon you know you would have because some nights with the, the moon when it's a full bright moon it can actually be quite bright sometimes the light so it's just interesting how even thousands of years ago they were kind of connecting um that bright light to problem sleeping yeah that's that's definitely true and uh there are some circadian effects when you, like we have a full moon versus a cloudy night or uh, like a very small moon. Mm -hmm. So um, there are definitely circadian effects from the moon, but um, the real problem that we need to solve today is not really the moonlight. No. <laughs> it's, it's the fact that we have all of these uh, artificial light sources and electronics around us that also produce blue and green light and they're tricking our bodies into thinking it's daytime even when it's not. So now so, it's the blue and green, right? Because we hear the word blue, blue, blue a lot, but green yeah. is right up there too, isn't it? Absolutely. So the so going back to the uh, IPRGCs, those sensors that are in the eyes, um, they are sensitive to um, about 440 to 570 nanometers of light. Mm -hmm. So um, just to break that down, so 440 to 490, that's blue light. And, four and 490 to 570 is like bluish green and green light. Um, so these sensors in our eyes don't only sense blue light, they sense green light too. Um, and, and that's, um, we can get into some interesting technologies that have tried to solve blue light but still have a lot of green. Um, so hmm. it's, a, it's an interesting effect. So these IPRGCs, I guess, they're in the eye. They're the ones that would have the light-sensing protein called myloposin, wouldn't they? Those, yeah, those ones. 
Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, because, yeah, it was interesting. You were talking about, because some people say, well, uh, what about blind people? But it's interesting because they even show that blind people, um, even though they can't see, their eyes still respond. So blind people still have a uh, circadian response to light, which is quite interesting. Yeah, most I think most of them. I think there is a population of people that don't have, uh, that the IP, IPRGCs don't work correctly or there's something wrong with melanopsin, but this is actually really rare uh, yeah. for this to happen. Yeah, that's no, really interesting. So now, fire, on the other hand, you were saying that's quite high in the red, isn't it? Absolutely. So um, again, like uh, this is a uh, audio-only podcast, but I can definitely throw some uh, spectral images mm -hmm. uh, later, your way later. Um, so fire is uh, well. You think of it like the color of it. It's like very reddish orange, right? Mm -hmm. uh, usually, like only when it's very, very hot is it blue. Cool. Um, and uh, if you look at the uh, spectrum of fire, it's like it's like almost all red. There actually is a little bit, a little bit of uh, blue and green light there, uh, but very little. But very little. And, yeah. Yeah. But what um, I'll do is I will um, I can take a couple of those screenshots because on your website you actually have a uh, course you do a little mini course where you uh, talk about all this and you, I saw you had different uh, and what I want to talk about next actually is the different light sources you talked about it so sunlight very high in everything uh, moonlight very high in blue but not very bright but then you also can we go through some of the more popular bulbs that are out there right now and just kind of just say you know give us yays nays now. The first bulb that came out that kind of was the replacement for fire was that orange Edison bulb, correct? Uh, the incandescent light. Yeah, the orange incandescent Edison light. Where does that fall in that kind of uh, spectrum of blue to red? Yeah, so um, the spectrum of incandescent light is actually pretty similar to fire. Uh, like it, it's probably the closest of all the spectra um, to fire. Um, so there's actually a pretty low uh, blue light in, in incandescent lighting, but, um, you know, like incandescent lighting is usually quite a bit brighter than fire. Like the way we would light our homes, you know, there'd usually be quite a lot more. Yeah. And, um, at that level of illumination, uh, there's still a significant amount of, of blue and green light there. So, you know, it's much better than most light sources, mm -hmm. but it's not, uh, it's not a panacea, and and also like you probably know that incandescent lighting is like really inefficient. So, yes, for sure. So that's another concern. Yeah, because what I was using in Thailand, because we didn't have you know, bedtime bulbs or anything over in Asia, I was yeah. just using a uh, basically just like a basically a dollar store incandescent red light bulb, like a party light bulb. <laughs> yeah, I have one in my bathroom uh, for the nightlight. So yeah. it definitely works, for sure. Now, then we got into, you know, technology moves forward. We move into CFLs and fluorescent lights. Can we talk about that one for a minute? Kind yeah. of typical office and malls and grocery stores. Yeah, one thing I want to throw in there before we get to CFLs is halogen lighting, which oh, okay. is, um, you know, kind of an improvement on incandescent lighting. Okay. Um, and, and people uh, tend to prefer the color of halogen and incandescent lighting. So when you go to a fancy restaurant, you know, this like warm color of lighting mm -hmm. uh, is usually halogen or incandescent. And halogen is pretty similar to incandescent, but it does have a little bit more blue and green light than incandescent. Uh, so just wanted to throw that out there. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so then... Uh, CFL and LED. So CFL came next, or or really fluorescent lighting. CFLs were uh, were a uh, a later technology. 
But L, uh, CFLs, um, they're actually very similar um, to LEDs in the way they work. So they, um, they actually produce blue light, and then there's this layer of chemicals on the outside of a fluorescent bulb. This is the white part. Mm -hmm. um, that actually, so this is called phosphor, and what it does is it takes that it takes the photons from the blue light and it and it re-emits a new spectrum of light. So it takes blue light and changes it into white light, basically. Okay. Um, and so CFLs, uh, it's hard to say exactly. Uh, well, I mean, I have characterized uh, CFL spectra, but uh, they're kind of all over the place. Um, there are a lot of different color temperatures. Um, but in general, they are uh, probably worse for blue light than incandescent and halogen, um, and especially the very daylight colored ones. Um, so like the ones you would see in an office, they have a lot of blue and green light. Now again, worse from a sleep interrupting perspective, but like if you're in an office during the day, like this color is actually pretty good because uh, you want that blue light during the day. Mm -hmm. Now CFL bulbs, those are those coily looking ones, right? Yeah, exactly. So CFLs are uh, compact fluorescent light bulbs. Um, okay. That stands for. And um, basically, you know, they used to come in those straight uh, cylindrical tubes, right? Yeah. Um, uh, like you'd see in an office. But then um, later they figured out how to put it into a um, like a light bulb form factor. So that would be a CFL. Um, but really, they're very uh, like the office light and the uh, CFL. They're almost the same thing. Okay. Um, and then, so that was kind of the popular one in the '90s. I remember yeah. it was all the CFLs, and when they brought out the, it was amazing when they took a fluorescent tube and they could turn it into light bulb size. Um, yeah. Well, from, unfortunately, I've also heard, found out that those have quite a bit of mercury in them as well. So if you break one of those, it's not good times. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they do. From what I've heard about that, like the, it's still a pretty small amount of mercury. Yeah. Um, so like if you break it in your like room, it's not really going to affect much. Maybe just open the windows type of thing. Yeah. But, uh, maybe use but like from an environment. Yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt if you want to throw something in there. No, it's okay. No, no, go ahead. From an environmental. You're right. uh, cool. Uh, so, but from an, like an environmental perspective overall, um, you know, it can like, that, that's a big challenge, especially if people are not recycling them properly. And as you know, like, a lot of recycling programs are difficult to understand and and do properly. So uh, I think yeah. that there's a lot of uh, environmental damage coming from those lights. Unfortunately, yeah, I think of how many break and how many buildings get knocked down. How many of those? Yeah, I could imagine. <laughs> and I just want to throw something else in there, like um, like not really CFLs, but the um, the tubular fluorescents. Like they got a really bad uh, rep because they were causing headaches, which mm -hmm. we can get into later. Um, but uh, the like the very last fluorescent lights were actually really really good, and they're probably better than most of the LED lights today okay. um, in terms of color quality, um, the their ability to cause headaches. They don't anymore. Like they're actually really really good. Um, but we can get into that later. Yeah. Now from there, so let's move on to LEDs now because LEDs are what you see everywhere now. So what's the yep. spectrum like on LEDs for the most part? So okay, so LEDs. Um, so a lot of people are concerned about LEDs having the blue spike. And um, if you look at the spectrum of an LED bulb, uh, generally you'll see like a hump that's in the blue region. Keep in mind fluorescent lighting has this problem too. Mm -hmm. um, but um, 
like the way the way most LEDs work is there are two parts. So just like the fluorescent light, there's a part that emits blue light, and then there's a phosphor material on the top that takes that blue light and then changes it into other colors, right? Oh, yeah. So there's two parts, uh, and and really it's not so much about the um, the blue light that's that's causing the sleep interruption from the LED itself. Mm -hmm. It's how much that phosphor is doing to change the light into new colors. So um, depending on the design of the phosphor, uh, you can have a lot of blue light in an LED or very little in, a blue, in, in an LED. And it, and it really just depends on how you're designing that thing. Okay. So your bulb, is your bulb an LED then technically? It is, yes. So your bulb's an LED, but what you've done then is you've done something with the like. How have you brought the light, the blue light in yours down? Because I'm sure there's different ways to go about it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, so it's mostly through the phosphor. There are there are different ways to do it, and um, there are several uh, low blue. Like I'll be totally straight with you. There are multiple low blue uh, light bulbs on the market, mm -hmm. and they all do it like a different way, and. You know, I think my way is better, but uh, they like they're all very interesting. The the way they get rid of blue light. Um, so we're we're actually doing mostly in the phosphor of the light. Um, we are um, choosing a mix of chemicals basically that uh, gets rid of most of the blue and provides a very warm, comfortable light at nighttime. Um, but we we keep a little bit of the blue in there. Um, because you want to be able to see everything well in your environment. Yeah. Because we found that if you get rid of all the blue, like if you use a pure amber or a red light bulb, mm -hmm. um, people like go back to the, their other lighting <laughs> because it's you can't see anything under it. Uh, you know, like it, it's just annoying for most people, except for like, the diehard paleo. I would say. Yeah, I mean, it just makes your house glow. It's like bright red. It's, it's not normal yeah. looking, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and even, even with the amber, like the amber, uh, like quote unquote, no blue light bulbs that are out there, mm -hmm. um, where they're amber colored, um, where actually some of them say they're amber and they still have blue in them, FYI. Um, okay. But uh, the ones that are actually amber, they, like, it's still, the color quality is so terrible on those things that like people have a hard time reading and um, doing other activities with them. And we found that people would go back to their other lighting, uh, like, you know, whatever other lighting they would use um, because they're really undesi undesirable light sources. Okay. Um, now let's talk then about, you've brought up the headaches and the flicker a few times. So I think we got a pretty good understanding of the, 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 the spectrum of the lights and how that affects you. So what's this flicker thing? Because that's a newer one for me. I don't quite get what the flicker is. Yeah, so flicker is, uh, I would say it's not really known outside of the lighting industry uh, widely. Um, but, uh, so flicker, this was one of the big concerns about early fluorescent lighting where people would um, go into their office during the day and they would complain about migraines and headaches um, and, of course, eye strain, too. Uh -huh. uh, and, and what this is is the lighting is actually flashing um, at, a, at a speed that is slightly faster than what we can perceive visually. Okay. Um, but it's still, an, it's still in the range that could be disruptive to our health. So... Um, 
So what this boils down to is most lighting, um, depending on where you are, um, it will it will flash at around 100 to 120 hertz. So that's 100 or 120 times per second. Um, and um, and how you know what your flicker frequency is is it, it's double the um, double the frequency of your of your AC power. So in North America we use 60 hertz, so it's double that frequency. In in uh, most of the rest of the world they use 50 hertz, and so it's a hundred hertz flicker. Um, so with early fluorescence, um, they had this flicker that was. Uh, above what we could see, which is, uh, I think it goes up to about 70 hertz, um, is what we can see. So like 100 hertz is just a little bit higher. But there are uh, these non-visual photoreceptors in our eyes that are trying to like sync up with these environmental patterns, and they can perceive that flicker. Um, so an interesting thing about flicker, what happened is um, with fluorescent lighting, they actually fixed the problem. They, they introduce uh, what are called electronic ballasts. So the power supply for, for fluorescent lighting was, um, they, they made the flicker much, much faster. It was like um, 30 kilohertz. So like 30,000 times, um, uh, 30,000 times per second instead of 100 times per second. And that totally fixed the problem. Like if the flicker is fast enough, we can't perceive it even non-visually. Um, but then when LEDs came around, um, everybody was really focused on uh, reducing cost. And the cheapest way to design an LED circuit uh, has 100 or 120 hertz flicker in it. And uh, the problem with LEDs is they, like, they really, uh, the way they turn on and off, like the flicker effect is very pronounced. Um, so again, it's kind of hard to see Sometimes you can actually see it, like if you turn your head really fast, um, or if you use your phone camera, you might. Yeah, I was going to say, I sometimes I was on a YouTube video, some guy would be doing it, like his fluorescent light, like, you know, hanging up, say, behind their door, you'll see it flickering. And, yeah. and I'll be yeah. like, what is, what is that? Like, why is that light going like a strobe light? How do they not notice that? But I guess it's because the camera's catching it, but your eye doesn't. Yeah, so the reason the camera catches it is because the uh, shutter speed of the camera is out of sync with the, um, the lighting. Um, but it's actually like not a terrible way to test if your lighting has flicker, but it's not foolproof. Like, um, if you, if you, uh, point your camera at lighting and it doesn't have the black lines that go across the screen, mm -hmm. it still could have flicker. Um, okay. it's just your camera's not picking them up. But like, if you do see the black lines going across the screen, you definitely have flicker. Gotcha. So it's kind of a logic thing, you know, like. If it's there, you definitely have it. But if it's not there, it doesn't mean you don't have it type of thing. Gotcha. So how's the flicker on your light bulb compared to? So, so we actually have the best flicker for a light bulb that I've ever seen. Um, it's, it's less than incandescent lighting. So incandescent lighting has about 6% flicker. Um, it's less than uh, most LEDs, first of all. Um, so especially the cheap LEDs that you would buy, and really any of the LEDs you would go to, like Home Depot, or any of these stores and buy, um, they're designed pretty cheaply, and they have they have 120 hertz flicker, um, and it's usually above 10%. Um, and this has to do with like uh, how much of the waveform gets, um, like how 
the the percentage of the waveform that's changing. Uh, it's a little hard to explain in person. Yeah. I'm not the best at explaining this in person, but gotcha. Um, no worries. <laughs> but uh, especially just without visuals. But uh, like, uh, so a lot of LED lighting has terrible, terrible flicker. Um, okay. And and you know like maybe like it's hard to say like how much of a health effect um, it's going to have. Like we know that it causes headaches and eye strain for some people, mm-hmm. but it probably doesn't affect everyone. Gotcha. Um, so, but it is annoying. Uh, and it messes with your photography. Yeah, um, no, for sure. So, uh, but so we actually looked at um, most LED light bulbs have a hundred percent flicker sometimes. So it's really, really high amount of flicker. Hmm. Um, some that claim to be flicker free. So there are light bulbs that light bulbs and other lighting products that can say that they're flicker free. That actually just means that they have less than ten percent flicker. So they can still have uh, a pretty significant amount of flicker, even though um, they say they're flicker free. And there's actually California has this written into law, like how much flicker your lighting is allowed to have. Okay. Um, and then, uh, but our our light bulb, uh, we actually the spec is less than one percent, and every light bulb we've tested actually has. Um, less than 0.1% flicker. So it's actually the best uh, uh, flicker we've ever seen in a light bulb, uh, even better than incandescent lighting. Okay. So, so you're not going to get headaches from it. It's a very smooth, uh, consistent light. Very nice. Now, recently, I know you just sent me a post because one of, the, uh, you know, one of the, the lights you hear about a lot nowadays is everybody, you know, Walmart and everybody's carrying, is the, the, the what's it called, the, um, the Hue. Is it Philips Hue? Yeah, Philips Hue. Yeah, and I tried contacting Philips, asking them basically about their lights and how the blue light stuff. And I really didn't get a very good reply from them. So, sure. like, what is the deal? Like, I don't really understand. They don't really have that again over in Asia, so I'm kind of new to this whole thing. Like, what's the deal with the Philips Hue? It's like a light bulb you can put in. You can change the colors according to your, to like the day you want if you're having a party and stuff. But is there any science behind it when it comes to using it for sleeping or is it just like more decor lighting? I mean, I don't quite get the Philips Hue thing. Well, for sure. Like they don't really, um, they don't really advertise it for sleep. Uh, a lot of lighting companies are very cautious about making uh, health claims for good reason mm-hmm. about the products um, because of the FDA and, and things like that. Um, but really Philips is positioning this as like smart lighting that can make your room uh, different like moods, you know, so you can make your lights purple and things like that, which, yeah. uh, you know, I think that appeals to a lot of people. That's cool. But at 40 plus dollars a light bulb, you have to uh, definitely weigh that. Um, and so this lighting system, you know, you can change it to pretty much any color. Um, I actually have it at home and I'm using it right now, um, as we speak. So like I have it in a, uh, kind of daytime mode. So the light looks very similar to the light that's outside. Um, probably the same color as your sad lamp, uh, but not as bright. Okay. So it's a basically just a very clean white. Yeah, exactly. Um, so like from a perspective of controlling your exposure to blue light, you can definitely go from like the daylight color all the way down to like, uh, an amber or a red that that pretty much has no blue light in it. Um, so it definitely, you know, if you're willing to spend that much money and you just care about the blue light, you know, it's a good product. Yeah. Um, with that said, uh, there are two problems that I have with with Hue. 
um, uh, just from personal experience having used this system for like three plus years in my house. Um, the first is that the color quality leaves a lot to be desired. So um, especially like right now with the daytime mode, mm -hmm. like this has, this has a decent amount of blue light in it. So it's, help, it's probably helping my circadian rhythm a bit. But the color quality is like uh, pretty undesirable. Like everything looks kind of washed out. And especially if you take a picture of somebody, like they look like really washed out because there's like no red light. Um, the, like the spectrum for red is like pretty much non-existent. So it's very blue-green kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's like okay. actually kind of greenish. Hmm. Um, and, and this is pretty typical with a lot of daylight color LEDs. Like they have uh, pretty terrible color quality. Mm -hmm. um, so the color quality is one thing, um, but then also the flicker. Uh, so actually the way, so Philips actually, uh, the way they design their lights, they actually have a patent on this. The way they, um, the way they control the lights and make them dim is actually like, that's like the worst way, uh, in terms of flicker, uh, to oh, design okay. a light bulb. So it's called a pulse width modulation or PWM. Um, and they, uh, it's like a really cheap, easy way to uh, dim and control lights. Mm -hmm. But uh, the problem is like the flicker is insane. Um, gotcha. It can be really bad. So like, um, again, you know, Hue is pretty cool. It has a lot of, uh, it's like very flexible, uh, pretty neat show off party trick type of system that can control blue light, but it does have uh, flicker and the color quality is uh, leaves a lot to be desired, and like I actually think that the color quality, like there's some, there's a part of healthy lighting that is color quality. So that's why like our light bulb has very very good like the same uh, color quality that an incandescent light bulb has. Gotcha. Because yeah, you yeah. see so what you're saying though is that, so what you were saying at the beginning um, was that the Philips light, the Philips Hue, can get rid of all the blue light, but then your house yes. goes back to the old problem of glowing bright red again, pretty much, right? Yeah, that, yeah, that's true. And um, so the other thing I'll throw in about color quality, just from personal experience, mm -hmm. I, I find that if you want it to be in one of the very low blue settings, like maybe not red, but like a very like a candlelight color, mm -hmm. um, it's you really it doesn't really give you enough color quality to see things well at uh, at those colors. So you usually have to turn the lights to a more like blue filled mode to get it back to uh, where uh, you would need it to like read a book or something like that, especially gotcha. like a magazine with pictures and things like that. Okay, that. whereas the opposite, your, your light is completely fine for reading a book. Yeah, so we actually really designed that, the light uh, for that. So we, we took into account the flicker and the blue light, but we also like really uh, tried to understand how people would use lighting in the evening mm -hmm. and um, a lot of people like eat, watch TV, um, they read, or do other like nighttime activities like bathing in the evening. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to give them something that would give them enough light for those activities so that they wouldn't switch back to uh, a regular light bulb. Um, but, it would, but it would do it at a very high color quality so you don't need to make it brighter. Um, and it has less blue light than like pretty much any other light source at hmm. that time. So like compared to incandescent lighting, we have uh, almost one fourth the amount of blue light. Um, 
that uh, incandescent lighting has, for example. Oh, that's excellent. So let me ask you a question. If you were, if I was, let's say, I'm going to put you in, in consultation mode, designer mode here, because you know a lot about light. Somebody right. rich hires you. They say, listen, Greg, I want you to come into my house, and I want you to design the lighting in my house for 24 hours. Okay. How would you, where would you, how would you design their lighting? Using all the, and all the different lights that are out there, all the light sources, all the little lamps, everything. How, what would you do if somebody said, design my house to be the perfect circadian home? Yeah, so uh, to be honest, so I'm going to assume that this house is uh, a little bit newer and has uh, recessed ceiling lights in it, or they could install them. Yep. Um, that's an assumption I'm going to make. So the, the easiest thing that you can do, I would say, is put um, in your ceiling lighting, use either halogen lighting, um, which has a really good color quality, um, or use like a daylight colored LED, but get one of the higher quality, high CRI. So the all spectrum, the full spectrum. Uh, yeah, I don't really like the full spectrum because okay. uh, like frankly, that's a lot of BS. Um, okay. Like that, that's like a ton of BS marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, it goes along with full spectrum. So like people, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of it. Um, so what should but, we be looking for then? So you should be looking for like a daylight color LED. So. Okay. Um, if you look at the back of uh, a lot of light bulb packages, um, they say um, they, they have this thing called lighting facts, and it gives you some information about the light. Mm -hmm. And you want to look at the color temperature. Um, I'm going to pull it up here so I can I can look at it myself. It'll usually say light appearance, mm -hmm. and then it will have a line that says warm to cool, and it'll show a number on that on that uh, line. So. Um, you know, if you can find something that is uh, 5,000 K, uh, mm -hmm. for example, four to, I would say four to 5,000, uh, this number, okay. which is like a daylight color LED, uh, that's kind of nice for the daytime uh, with the caveat that these lights are going to have flicker and uh, they're really not very good, many good ones out there right now. So it's kind of just like the state of lighting today, I would hmm. say. Um, and then, so so I would put these daylight color uh, lights in your ceiling, or if you really don't like the flicker problem, which I'm not a huge fan of, uh, even though I use Hue just because I have it, mm -hmm. uh, I would use halogen lighting. Okay. Uh, yeah. So halogen uh, or daylight LEDs is going to be your primary daytime lighting. Exactly. Okay. So then, then for the nighttime, you can do two things. Um, the first is to install dimmers, and uh, you know they'll work okay with your with your daylight LEDs, maybe. Uh, but halogen dimmers work really well uh, with those bulbs. Um, but then I would install something like bedtime bulb in table lamps in the house. Mm -hmm. um, and there's two reasons for this. Like at nighttime, um, it's a little bit. It can be uncomfortable, especially as our eyes age, to have lighting come from above, especially at night. Like it costs a lot of glare, so um, having lighting in your tables will help solve that problem. Mm -hmm. But it also helps promote this uh, relaxation in the evening. So I would say, you know, like halogen or daylight LEDs in the ceiling, um, and use bedtime bulb in table lamps is uh, the way I would go. Um, but like, if, but you can also look at it like how you spend uh, time in your house. 
So like if you only use, like I live in a small apartment, so like uh, a lot of our rooms are multi-purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like if you only spend like the last half hour to two hours in your bedroom every day, like just put up, just put bedtime bulb in there. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say I think the bedtime, I think in the bedroom, because in the, the thing I like in feng shui cotton a lot is you look at the purpose and use of the room. So mm-hmm. to me, it's like the bedroom should just pretty much be. Uh, bedtime bed light so the, the bedtime bulb and maybe maybe a you know Himalayan rock salt lamp <laughs> it's probably yeah. about it in there actually, actually those Himalayan uh, salt lamps are not bad uh, from a blue light perspective like the uh, if you put an incandescent light bulb in there um, they'll like the um, the color of the rocks of the mm-hmm. salt I guess like it helps filter a little bit more of the blue light out from what I've seen yeah um, but uh you know, maybe it's like, like I don't really see bedtime bulb as competitive with uh, Himalayan salt lamps. No, definitely I'm, not. You can't read with them; they just look pretty. <laughs> yeah, like, this is like a, a brighter, you know, like more like useful light bulb. That's more of like mood lighting, I would say. For sure. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And, and like, uh, if maybe if you believe like the ion stuff that it does, I'm not sure about that stuff. So yeah, um, yeah, um, but. Uh, now, if money is no object, so like that would be kind of like my uh, like low cost. That's your typical condo, you know, kind of yeah. condo sort of setup. Yeah. So like you know, use uh, ceiling lighting during the day and use either halogen uh, uh, as like a great quality light source that uses a little bit more energy, or mm-hmm. daylight color LEDs with the caveat that they all have flicker right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if money is no object, I would look at this company called Ketra. It's like um, they make a, a system that is, uh, it's like an automatic circadian lighting system um, that it's really cool, uh, but it's very, very expensive. We're talking like uh, $100 plus a light bulb. Okay. So, uh, you know, so this is like a really high end thing, but this lighting can change colors throughout the day. So it can be like your daytime and your nighttime. Uh, mode, but it has very high color quality, unlike Philips Hue, mm-hmm. and um, and also they claim that it's flicker free, so uh, hmm. it, pro- it probably has less than ten percent flicker. Now, does that need like an app or something, or does it do it all automatically? Like, do the bulb sense? Like, how does it know what? Yeah, so um, it's kind of like so Hue. Um, so if you know Hue, like the typical setup is like you buy the bulbs and then you buy this. Um, this uh, hub that plugs into your router, mm-hmm. uh, and that that hub is like really what's controlling everything. Um, with Ketra, it's kind of similar. They you have to buy the bulbs and you have to have uh, like keypads that you install, like in place of light switches in your house. Okay. But this is like you know again like it's kind of a money no object. Like this isn't really. Um, a system that like you can go buy on Amazon. It's like something you go to like a hi-fi dealer. And, and they it. would come and probably install it for you and everything probably. Yeah, yeah exactly. gotcha. But you know, like it's pretty cool. Like it's really nice. So, hmm. you know, if people want something very high end, it's uh, it's pretty cool. And that's called um, Kendra, like with a K or? Uh, it's K-E-T-R-A, so Ketra. Huh. Ketra. Huh. Ketra.com, they're cool. Excellent. Yeah. So well, we're getting close to about an hour now, so we should probably start wrapping it up soon. Um, yep. Where can people, like how can people buy your bulbs? You have your website, which is bedtimebulb.com, and they can do your course on there, correct? What's in your course? 
Yeah, so um, I have a little free video course. Um, so if you just go to bedtimebulb.com and then you'll see a little link at the top uh, called Blue Light. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that is uh, a little 20 minute uh, like free video course that that walks you through uh, the science of blue light. Like not, we don't get too technical, but I kind of like, I show you the pictures of like, here's why the IPRGCs are sensitive to blue light. Mm -hmm. Here's what different light sources look like. Um, so that's like a pretty good um, resource if you have about 20 minutes to spare uh, to watch this free course. Okay. Um, I, I also um, put some posts out on our blog um, which is a medium, a medium site, but uh, the easiest way to, to get to it is just to go to bedtimebulb.com and then scroll to the bottom and you'll see the blog link there. Okay. Uh, we, we're on Facebook and Instagram, of course, so it's just like instagram.com slash bedtimebulb and facebook.com slash bedtimebulb, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we also, uh, you know, for people who are interested in the product, um, we, uh, I would actually suggest using your um, landing page. Um, so that would be bedtimebulb.com slash roar. So bedtimebulb.com slash ROR. No dashes or anything like that, just ROR. And uh, this will be uh, Roar's kind of page uh, that we'll, we'll probably throw a link to this podcast up there and some more uh, relevant information. Well, that then, sounds like an excellent page to go to. Yeah, it's already got a uh, face on it. So, um, nice. Um, but, uh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, well, not going to lie. I just put it together like 10 minutes before this call. But, um, but then uh, it will have links to Amazon in the U.S. and Canada where you can mm -hmm. buy it. Um, and then uh, we are looking at uh, getting into some retail. Um, so more information to come on that soon. Um, but uh, to give people some more options, especially in Canada, where like apparently people don't use Amazon Prime. Yeah, we're a little behind here on a lot of things. I was talking to a friend about that the other day. I was just saying, you know, there's all these biohack things you could get in the states, like you know, whether it's your light bulbs or uh, just so many things, O rings, motive, just all these things. I'm like, Canada's just, we just we don't we're not quite up there yet. We're not quite getting it. I don't know why we're behind. Yeah. We're still we're still a little bit behind. We're still on whey protein powders. It seems just finding that vegetarian protein powder is like the big deal here. Like oh, it's a little well. behind, guys. Still. <laughs> yeah. But, well, thankfully, you know, to people like you, I'm so glad you reached out to me uh, because I think you're doing a big uh, service to this uh, very obviously large market that is underserved. Yeah. No. Well. Yeah. And especially like I was saying, you know, especially Canada where we have this just wacky hours when it comes to the seasons here, you know? Um, but yeah, no, I, the reason I like, I reached out to you originally is I just thought your bulb was a great solution. I really liked it. I've been using it. I replaced my uh, red light bulb with it and it, and it's great. You know, it's better for reading, which is really nice. It's cause my house was, you know, glowing kind of red. It was looking like a little freaky demon Halloween house. And now yeah. we're back to normal, which is nice. Um, but, but it's on Amazon.com and Amazon.ca. So people in Canada can find it on .ca, which is nice. Um, and yeah, it's a, if the Canadian people really should get Prime because it's $8 a month. I don't know why they don't have it. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, we'll, we'll have some more solutions for you too uh, soon. Um, but yeah, like definitely just... Uh, you know, for more information on the product, 
definitely just check out bedtimeball.com slash roar. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just uh, to, to uh, summarize the product, we have the lowest blue of any low blue light bulb on the market. Mm-hmm. So that's even less than some of the, uh, the other low blue light bulbs that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we have less blue and green light than uh, the other competitors. Um, we have better flicker than any light bulb I've ever seen. And uh, it's really like this, this light is really designed for the evening. And I think you'll really uh, appreciate the light. Like it's a really great experience, this like warm color and light. I will also say you have the best pricing for a light bulb in this realm that I've seen myself anyway. So, I mean, I've seen some of the others and they're like you were saying, like 30, 40, $50 you can go up there. And, I was yes, kind of, and that's sure. a lot of that's American pricing. I'm like, wow. So yours comes in at very good pricing. So yeah, we're sub twenty U.S. dollars. So uh, definitely check that out. And yep. uh, oh, and also just like also, uh, some people are like, well, seventeen dollars for a light bulb. You know, what is this? Well, uh, those people can just shut up. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I try to educate like, <laughs> yeah. why you spend that much money for a light bulb um, because some people do appreciate that. Like it's like we really. Like, we really put a lot of engineering and effort into designing this thing. Well, that's this- that's the thing. I have a problem with people who, who complain about that sort of stuff. It's the same thing. It's like, well, I can't believe it's $4,000 for an infrared sauna. I'm like, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, but, but you know, like, to, to kind of ease those worries, it only it's LED, it is LED. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good LED, very low blue. But uh, it lasts, uh, it's designed to last 25,000 hours, which is about 22 wow. years. It's about 22 to 23 years at uh, three hours per day, um, and uh, it has a five-year warranty. So, you know, if you, if you ever have any trouble, you know, like, we want to make it right. We want to be the best uh, customer service uh, company from a lighting perspective. And, you know, hopefully we'll introduce more healthy lighting products than just bedtime bulbs soon. But yeah, you got to you gotta do the uh, office productivity bulb, you know, yeah. for the, the daytime thing, a wake-up bulb. I mean, you got pretty much, you got your three times, right? You got your mornings, you got your afternoons where you want to be productive, and then you got your evenings. You got the evenings covered. Got to hit up those other two time zones. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I, yeah, I really appreciate that. But, like, yeah, just to ease people's cost concerns, uh, one more thing is that, um, you know, it, it uses only six watts of energy and lasts 25,000 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, over its lifespan, you will save at least 50 U.S. dollars in energy costs over incandescent lighting. So, uh, you know, it actually ends up being a lot cheaper than regular, than like the other quote-unquote low blue lights, like incandescent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has less blue than them. So, yeah. Well, know, that is something to put out there. Yeah. Well, I'm going to come out and say this. So this is me saying it to anybody that thinks that it, it, Anybody that has to, you have to justify healthy things. The other day, a friend showed me a T-shirt from Burberry. I think it was Burberry or Massimo, one of those brand companies. White cotton T-shirt, $500. So white cotton T-shirt, and a trench coat, $4,000. You know, people will go out and they'll spend, you know, $1,200,000 to $2,000 on, you know, the latest iPhone every year. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when it comes to, you know, people say, well, $100,000. Fifty dollars for a gym membership, you know, is expensive, or you know, sixty dollars an hour, seven dollars an hour for a personal trainer is expensive. But the things they will spend money on, three to four hundred dollars in a restaurant meal, I think, right. I think when it comes to people's health, like people just really have their priorities whacked out. Like to me, twenty bucks for a light bulb 
that is going to you know help you improve your sleep and sleep's improving to help you get everything from cognitive disorders to weight loss to muscle gain i mean the fact that a good night's sleep for 20 bucks like you said a what five-year warranty 25 year life that's like a dollar a year <laughs> it's crazy your warranty so it drives me nuts the 20 dollars for people listening 25 even you know what 40 bucks for this light bulb is still a great deal if you really care about your health you know my little sad light here was 70 dollars my phillips wake up light it was a, those things you know i got i got a, a different version but the typical Philips wake-up light is over 100 I mean, but they're all worth it. I would pay $200, $300 for that wake-up light. I mean, it's changed my mornings. So, yeah, yeah so, so 20 bucks for, a, for this bulb is an amazing deal. So I'm just, I'm letting everybody know out there. <laughs> and we, you know, we've had, uh, we, we sold uh, many hundreds of these things so far. Uh, and we're actually, like, we actually almost sold out before our new, um, our new order is going to come in, which is pretty crazy. But That's um, excellent. Well, let's get you selling out in Canada too. Canadians, yeah. we're behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People are people really seem to like it. We have very good reviews on Amazon. We've got tons of positive feedback. So you know, I, I would say this is an awesome thing to try out. And also now that uh, we're close to the holiday season, you know, this is a like I think this is a great stocking stuffer for uh, especially for like health obsessed or sleep deprived individuals. It's like an awesome, not very expensive gift. Oh no, hundred percent. This is this is the this is I'm gonna do. I'm actually doing podcasts on uh, gift guide for 2018 Christmas, and this is one of my top picks for sure. So, thank you. I, I really. That. No problem. All right. Well, listen, we've gone over the hour mark, so I will let you go. Um, but yeah, nice. again, again, guys, bedtimebulb.com slash Aurora. Check that out. Um, and if you guys are out there going, oh, I think 20 bucks is too expensive for a light bulb, you're insane because this light bulb will change your life. <laughs> All right, yeah. Greg. Thanks a lot. I'll talk to you again soon, I'm sure. Thank you so much, Aurora. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Health by Design podcast with wellness architect and functional lifestylist, Roar Alexander. If you enjoyed this, please make sure you share it to all your social media so I can get the word out there. And don't forget to join me at www.roaralexander.com to get all the latest updates, blogs, podcasts, and guest interviews with my special guests from all over the world, as well as to set up your own personal call for one-on-one coaching through my Health by Design Life and Body Transformation programs. Again, that's www www.roaralexander.com. I'll see you again soon. And again, thanks for tuning in to the Health by Design podcast.